you know, Pastor Danny, his last time he was here and he preached, you know, he challenged us that each Christian be a radical Christian. And we're tracking with that idea because radical means really radically changed. And I hope you got the message last Sunday. And we're keeping that idea to constantly challenge us to be really radical about our Christian walk. Now, who are these people? How do we many times uh, refer to them? The dynamic duo, right? Batman has a Robin. The Lone Ranger has a Tonto. The Green Hornet has a Kato, right? So usually they come in pairs. Now this morning, I would like to share with you a message still on being radical about these two guys. They don't look to be radical, right? They don't look to be dynamic. But they are what I would call a radical duo. And that is the title of my message for all of us this morning, The Radical Duo. Before we continue, let's commit the time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for this time. We continue to lift up to you all of our concerns, our brethren, our brothers, our sisters. We pray especially for Vinny de las Alas, who is going to have his surgery this coming Tuesday. We lift him up to you, Lord God. Speak to him. Be with him. Comfort the members of his family as he undergoes that very delicate procedure. And may everything, Lord God, bring glory and honor to your name. Bless the preaching of your word that we might understand and obey. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Amen. The radical duo. Who are these two? Numbers 13. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send out for yourselves men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, each one a, every, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent, from them, sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the command of the Lord, all the men who were heads of the sons of Israel. So the Lord is commanding Moses to tell the people, I need a volunteer, one from each tribe. And how many tribes were they? Twelve. So how many spies are needed? Twelve, one from each tribe. These are the leaders of their tribe. And their mission is to go out and spy out the land of Canaan. Now, I won't go through each and every name. We jump to verse 21. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin, as far as Rehob at Libo Hamath. When they had gone up to the Negev, they came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Sishai, you see why I don't want to read all the names for you? Talmai, the descendants of Enoch were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Mind you, that's Enoch. Okay? For Filipinos, Anak. Okay? Not Freddy Aguilar. Enoch. Where you get the Enochites. Then, they came to the valley of Eshkol. And from there cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes. And they carried it on a pole between two men. 
with some of the pomegranates and the figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because the cluster which the sons of Israel cut down from the tree. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregations of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Do you like grapes? Pomegranates? Fruit? Where do you usually put them in? Now they charge you 10 cents, right? You need a bag, sir? 10 cents. You just usually put it in a bag, right? Now, if you have, uh, you know, clients, sometimes they give you boxes of grapes, right, Alvin? <laughs> right? Have you ever seen grapes so huge that you would need a branch to put the grapes on to be carried by two people. Would you say that is really such a big or such a huge, how do you call that, cluster of grapes? Thank you. This is amazing. That's amazing. For them to be able to have that, that is amazing. Now, when they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they came to give a report. Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us. And it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. So they were giving a good report. They were confirming that the land that they spied out the land of Canaan is really a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And to prove that, here is the fruit. Are you with me? Nevertheless, however, but the people who live in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. So you're starting out with a good report. The land is flowing with milk and honey, but it's like sometimes when, you know, when we converse, you know what, brother, that was really good. I really was impressed. However, oops, here comes the bad news. Nevertheless, despite the land flowing with milk and honey, there are the Enakites are there. Their buildings are fortified. They have huge houses. And Amalek, Amalek is living in the land of the Negev. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and the Termites. Oh no, there are no Termites there. And the Amorites are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. So here you are. You're the spy. You're giving a good report. But then, 
you're also saying, hey, wait, even if the land is indeed flowing with milk and honey, there's a problem. The problem is the Amalekites are there, the Jebusites are there, the Hittites are there, Enoch is there. We have a problem. Then Caleb, one of the radical duo. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. He had a radical perspective. You see, my friends, if you have a big God, what you believe to be a small prob- big problem is really very small. But, if you believe that your God is very small, your problem is magnified. And you feel that no one can help you. You sang that song? I believe in a lie that you are unable to help me. Your problems are directly proportionate to the size of your God. The bigger your God, the smaller your problem. The smaller your God, the bigger your problem. Some of you have come to me and say, Pastor, no, I will really never be able to get a job. I will never be able to reconcile. I will never be able to do this. I will never be able to do that. So sometimes I ask you, you believe that God can save your soul? Oh, yes, Pastor. But God cannot provide? You are willing to trust God, the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary, to bring you to heaven? But you cannot trust God to provide for your need? Maybe you have believed in the lie. Because God said, My God shall supply all of my needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus our Lord. My friend, God is not preparing leftover blessing for you. He is preparing the best of the best for you. So don't believe in a lie that God is not able to help you because this cross proves how much God loves you. And if he has provided for the salvation of your soul and mine, how more will he provide for our daily needs? Caleb had a radical perspective. He quieted the crowd and says, No, we can take the land. Surely we can overcome it. Man, I like this guy to be my leader. Especially when it comes to go into the battle. We can do it. You know that uh, American movie star is uh, actually half Filipino. You can do it. You know him? Never mind. But he is half Filipino. You can do it. It's just a matter of your perspective. And Caleb have a rather radical perspective. 
Now, Numbers 13. Of course, you have the other side too. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report. A bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone, in spying it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants, and the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. Oh. What do we call that? Exage ka naman. Right? Exage. You're exaggerating. Why do I say they're exaggerating? Look. There were also the Nephilim, sons of Anak, who are part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Oh. Do you look at yourself in the morning and you, you look like a grasshopper? Man, this is exaggerating. You see, the, you see the positive, you see the negative. And all of a sudden, you begin to focus on the negative, and guess what? You have magnified the negative. And now you're saying, oh, the people there are big. The sons of Anak, they are part of the Nephilim. The men are big, they're too strong, they're too powerful. And we are but grasshoppers. Numbers 14. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled, complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why are they in that place anyway? Do you remember? Where were they before? In Egypt. And what was their civil status in Egypt? Slaves. And God sent Moses to deliver them. And now what is their complaint? You should not have brought us out from Egypt. It would have been better for us to die in the desert or die in this wilderness. Why? Because of a bad report. Doctor, give it to me straight. Doctor says, I have good news and I have bad news. Start with the bad news. The bad news is, you have cancer. What's the other news? I should have told you yesterday because you have only two days to live. <laughs> Job said, we were singing about that. You give and take away. You give and take away. Job said, when his very own wife told him, curse God and die. And Job said, will we only accept the good and not the bad? Naked I came into this world. Naked shall I depart. The Lord giveth. The Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. My friends, you and I have to have a right perspective of who God is and how powerful He is. 
don't just believe any bad report. The report was balanced. Yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey, but there's a big problem. The Nephilim are there. And then they, they continued to complain. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land? To fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it be not better for us to return to Egypt? Now they want to go back to being slaves. Now they want to go back to being a people whom you could kill as property. This is my property. I can do whatever it is. So if I don't like your face, I want to kill you. You're my, own, you're my property. You're not a human being. But they want to go the back. They want to go back to that life. That is what they're saying. So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregation of the sons of Israel. What can we learn about a complaining spirit? It always goes up. Eventually, that complaint will go up to God. We say it in humor. God, why did you give me this spouse? God, why did you give me these children? The children are saying, God, why did you give me these parents? Right? It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's the fault of Adam and Eve. Oh, by the way, God, because you created Adam and Eve, it is your fault. They went out to spy the land. God told Moses to tell the people to spy the land. That was their job. Now they're complaining. They're complaining about their situation. They want to go back to Egypt. Now they're complaining about their leaders. Give us a new leader who will bring us back to Egypt. Look at their perspective. Very negative. The perspective of Caleb. No, we can do this. We can do this. So what happened? Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, of those who spied out the land, tore their clothes. When you, in their context, when you tear your clothes and you put ashes, it is like you are in mourning. For some of the cultures, you wear black. For some cultures, you wear white. For them, it was the tearing of clothes. So they tore their clothes. Who are these two? Joshua and Caleb. The radical duo. They tore their clothes and spoke to all Israel, to, to the, all the congregation, to the sons of Israel. The land which we pass through to spy out is, ex, is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land and give, us this, give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. If God is with us, then who can be against us? Paul writes in Romans. And time and time again, we go back to this verse. 
If you want the presence of God continually abiding in you, then my friend, go out and make disciples. Because this is the promise. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Look at Joshua and Caleb. We can take the land. It has been given to us by God. God has removed the protection of their people. And God is with us. Just don't rebel against God. Please. Please do not rebel against God. You see, this radical duo had a radical perspective because they, they remember a radical promise. God promised them the land. If in your lifetime, you will be able to ride El Al, which is the national airline of Israel, before you get into Israeli airspace, the loudspeaker will play a song. That song reminds them that God gave them the land of Israel. And to show you my age, you know, in old movies, black and white, this land is mine. God gave this land to me. God gave them the land. God promised them the land. So this is what Joshua and Caleb were clinging on to. We can do it. God is with us. He has removed their protection. Surely we can overcome the land. But not everyone remembers the promise. That radical promise that gave, God gave to ben, them in Genesis 17, beginning with verse 6. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to God, to you and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan. The land which they spied out had already been promised to them as their property, their possession. All you need to do is go in and take possession of that property. If this selfie stick is made of gold, and this is for Ponty, it's here. This is Pontis. But unless he takes possession of it, he does not get the benefit of that gift. So God gave them the promise in Genesis 17, this land is yours. All you need to do is take possession of it. This was in Genesis 17. Now God gave them a radical promise. God gave Moses a radical promise. I mean, Abraham, a radical promise. What was the promise? You will be a father of many nations. All nations will be blessed, blessed through you. The only problem is, Abraham was already old. Sarah was childless and beyond childbearing years. And her womb had been closed up. Radical promise. 
You will be a father of a great nation. All nations will be blessed through you. Joshua knew that promise. Caleb knew that promise. That's why they stood up for that promise. We can take the land. It is ours for the taking. Two out of twelve said yes. Ten out of twelve said no. Despite the radical promise of God to them that this land is yours. So what happened? All the congregation said to stone them. Then the story, then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. See, now all you want a change of leadership. Now you want to kill these people who are telling you the truth. Let's stone them. And then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting. When the glory of the Lord comes in a cloud and rests on the tent of meeting, it means the presence of God is there. They were silent. But they already made up their mind. Majority ruled. But it was a bad choice. Because just as there is a radical perspective and there is a radical promise, there is also a radical product or a radical outcome. What is that radical product? Surely, the Lord says, you shall not come into the land which I swore to settle you, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Your children, however, whom you said would become a prey, I will bring them in, and they will know the land which you have rejected. But as for you, your corpses will fall in this wilderness. I thought God is a loving God. Yes. God is a loving God. God is a merciful God. God is a gracious God. But God is also a just God. If it were not so, my friends, this cross is not needed. Because justice, mercy, and grace met at the cross of Jesus Christ. God is a just God. God is an angry God. But the, his anger towards sin is atoned for by the blood of Jesus. Radical product. Your sons shall be shepherds for 40 years in the wilderness, and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpses lie in the wilderness. According to the number of days you spied out the land, 40 days. For every day you shall bear your guilt a year, even 40 years, and you will know my opposition. Because they did not trust in the promise of God, they suffered the consequences. Some scholars say, that the distance they needed to travel was about two and a half to three miles left. But because they would not go into the land, 
they circled the desert for 40 years. One year for every day that you spied out the land. Grabe naman si God. God is still a gracious God. Even if He is a just God. How do I know this? I, have the, I the Lord, have spoken. Surely this I will do, this evil congregation, who gathered against me in this wilderness, they shall be destroyed, and there they will die. But what does Deuteronomy 29 verse 5 said? I have led you. See, God's presence did not leave them. God still led them. I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you. Your sandal has not worn out on your foot. Ross, Marshalls, TJ Maxx, sorry. Imagine for 40 years your clothes did not... What? What does it say? Your clothes did not wear out. Your shoe, your sandal did not wear out. How many, how, how many times do you buy shoes? How many times do you buy slacks, jeans, shirt, blouse, etc., etc.? Why? Because they wear out. Right? See, God still led them for these 40 years. And God still provided for them. You see, God, yes, God is a just God, but God is still also a gracious God. Joshua and Caleb had a radical perspective about God. Their God was bigger than anything. They believe in a radical promise that God, since early in Genesis, spoke to Abraham, and I will bring you to a land called Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey. And that will be your possession to you, to your sons, and to the generations to come after. Yes, they rebelled, but God was still gracious to provide for all their needs. In, Gen in Deuteronomy chapter 6, speaking about the promise and the outcome, the radical product. Verse 10, Then it shall come about, when the Lord brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn sisters, cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. And you eat and are satisfied. Isn't that a radical product based on a radical promise by God? That God will provide for you stuff, things that you need that you didn't have to work for or toil for. It is given to you. And all you need to do is to take it, to possess it, because it had been promised to you. And then in verse 12, the warning. Watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord your God 
and you shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, any gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you, and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. So don't let the blessings take your mind and your eyes and your heart and your soul away from the one who is giving you the blessing. The blessing is a byproduct of the presence of God. So if you want the blessing, you must seek the presence of God. Don't seek the blessing because God might not be there. But if you seek God and in the process of your journey, you're sojourning and seeking God, the blessings come. Praise be to God. I have seen people, my friends, who were down and out. And then they encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessing began to come. From a small house in Quezon City, they buy a house in Forbes Park. Recently, they bought a house up north. 1,260,000 United States greenbacks dollars. And they paid in cash. But when we were talking to their daughter, one of their daughters said, Tito Insong, we were a lot happier when we were in the small house in Quezon City. Why? When you have riches, you begin to be busy. And God usually takes a back seat. Don't forget the blessor because you're experiencing the blessing. And God warned them. It's a radical promise. You will live in houses you did not build. You will harvest from plants you did not plant. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig. Why? Because I, the Lord your God, promise this to you. All you need to do is trust me and go into that land. But 10 said no. Two said yes. Majority ruled. And there was a radical product. The negative product, 40 years you will die in the wilderness except Joshua and Caleb. The radical duo. The rest of you will die out. And God was true to his word when they crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan. That generation died out except the generation of Joshua, the generation of Caleb. The radical duo. And God is reminding us through the Bible that we should tell people about this God who keeps his promises. In Deuteronomy 6, when your son asks, when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what do the testimonies and statutes and judgments mean of that the Lord our God commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were slaves 
to Pharaoh in Egypt. And the Lord brought us from Egypt with a mighty hand. Moreover, the Lord showed great and distressing signs and wonders before our eyes against Egypt, Pharaoh and all his household. He brought us out of there in, in order to bring us in, to give us the land which he had sworn to our fathers. So the Lord commanded all the statutes, all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always and for our survival as it is today. It will be righteous for us if we are careful to observe all the commandment before the Lord our God, just as He commanded us. What is taking place here? What's going on? Isn't that not discipleship? The father talking to the son about, you know, we, we only have this because God was faithful to promise this. We are where we are now because God was faithful to fulfill His promise to us. Only it is righteous for us to obey the commandments of God, not to forget Him and not to worship other gods. Why? Why do we do this? Because the Lord God Himself, Jesus Christ, told us, teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. So when your sons and your daughters, parents, when they come to you, God, Dad, Mom, why are we in CCF? Why do we worship with CCF? Why don't we go to this church or that church? Oh, you know why? Because in such and such a time, my life, your, my life and your mom's life, we were a mess. We were about to separate. We were about to get annulled. We were about to get divorced. But then, God sent somebody. You remember your tita, so-and-so? She invited us to a Bible study. And we learned that God loves us just as we are. That we cannot experience the love of God because sin has separated us from a holy God. So what God did to prove His love to us was that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died to save us from the penalty of my sin, our sin. So I trusted Jesus Christ. And when I trusted Jesus Christ, God through His Holy Spirit began to mend your mom's and I relationship. And God was so pleased with us, He brought you into our lives. And that's why I want to introduce Christ to you and disciple you to Christ-likeness. That was since way back in the book of Deuteronomy. When? When your son asks you in time, what do these testimony and statutes and judgments mean which the Lord our God commanded you? Tell them. Tell them we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. I was a slave to sin. The Lord brought me out from sin with His mighty hand through His Son Jesus Christ. Moreover, God allowed many things to happen in my life. That's why I claim Romans 8.28. And what is it? And we believe. For we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And then verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image and likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. 
Discipleship is not something new. Discipleship is as old as the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6. When your son asks you, that's a discipleship moment. When there's something not wrong with your relationships, that's a discipleship moment. Take that opportunity. Possess that opportunity to be able to engage in that discipleship moment. And then what am I going to do? Uh, Pastor Insong, I don't know how to disciple. I have never been trained to disciple. What did Moses tell them to do? Just tell them the story. Chino, you remember? I'm encouraging you. Write your testimony, your personal testimony. Because people can debate with you about your interpretation of the Bible. But people cannot debate with you if your life has been changed. Amen ba? Now, if you don't have a changed life, you don't have a story to tell. But you have a story to tell. Tell it. The son asked, what do these statutes mean? So, they just did it. They just told them about what was going on. It is the responsibility of the father to pass on that godly heritage, that godly legacy, together with a wife. It is a husband and wife partnership. Now this morning I told you we have something special in line with this. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, and this is again just about as they're going to enter the land. God is reminding them. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you that you might do them in the land where you are going to possess it. So that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and commandments which I command you all the days of your life so that your days may be prolonged. Discipleship or not discipleship? Discipleship. You are teaching the next generation to trust God. But it begins first with the Father. The words from Moses to the Father. Moses telling me, you your son, your grandson. Tell the story. Tell how you got born again. Tell your next generation how the Lord God was gracious to save you. So that Lord willing, your next generation will embrace salvation in Jesus Christ and pass it on. So that what I told my son, my son will pass on. And what my, my son will pass on, he will pass on to my grandchildren. And so on and so forth. This morning, we have a couple who chose to be radical. They are here with us this morning because they have chosen to honor God by dedicating their child back to the Lord. Now, dedication 
is not baptism. Baptism is an outward declaration of an inward conviction. Child dedication is also not a substitute for baptism. Because the Bible tells us in Matthew 28, Go therefore into all the nations, what? Make, make, make disciples of all nations, and what? What's next? Baptizing them. So baptism is part and parcel of the Christian life. So child dedication is a commitment of the parents honoring God that God, this child is a gift from you. Psalm 127 says, Behold! Chino, one, two, three. Behold! Children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. So it is an acknowledgement that my child is from God. It is an acknowledgement that I have a responsibility to train up a child while he is young so that when he is old, he will not depart from it. So that when the time comes that your son will ask you this, when your son asks, what will you say? This is what the Lord God has done. So I would like to call up on stage. Tuwayo ko, kaya mabait na bata ito. <clears throat> May I call on Juan Lorenzo Sepe Patnongon and Alisa Muriel Mapili. Please come. Let's give them a warm welcome. We have before our presence this morning, Mateo Lorenzo Mapile Patnongon. They have come. I, he used to be in CCF Manila. They moved here to the United States. His wife is a U.S. citizen. And uh, Mateo was born on July 3 at Glendale Memorial Hospital. They approached me some weeks ago on their own volition to come and look, Pastor, we want to dedicate our child. The word dedication means to set apart for official use only. So when I dedicate my children, I'm making a commitment as they are making that commitment this morning. It is an acknowledgement of their response of that God has blessed them with this child. It is a, an acknowledgement that God has given them the responsibility to raise up this child in accordance with God's word. Again, it is not a substitute for baptism. It is their responsibility that when Mateo grows up and he comes of age, that they introduce Jesus Christ to him, that he too might come to faith in Jesus. Christianity, my friends, is not by osmosis. Just because we as parents are Christian does not automatically mean that the children that God sends to me are automatically Christian. Each and every one of us has a sin to be dealt with before the Lord. And each and every one of us has to personally come to faith in Jesus Christ. You remember the story about the jailer. He said, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And the jailer heard the gospel, him and his family. And there was great rejoicing because him 
and his family placed their faith in Jesus Christ and they were all baptized. Baptism usually comes after a person comes to faith in Christ. Some weeks ago, we had a young man come here and be baptized. But this morning, this radical couple is before you and before God, making a declaration. We acknowledge that Mateo is your gift to us. We commit to love him and to train him up in the ways of the Lord. And we also commit that in the time of his understanding, we will share the gospel of Jesus Christ to him. And Lord willing, we will disciple him to Christ-likeness. And so, do you before God and these witnesses, you and Elisa, do you acknowledge that Mateo Lorenzo is God's gift to you? Yes. Yes. Do you commit before God and these witnesses that you will raise up Lorenzo, Mateo Lorenzo, in the way, the love, the fear, and the grace of God according to the Bible? I do. Do you commit that when the time comes that you will personally introduce Mateo Lorenzo to a personal, loving, and saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. Yes. Friends, you have heard this couple make their commitments. Now, they have asked some of you to be godparents. Godparents are not only invited to be godparents because you give gifts. That, my friends, is secondary. You stand here. You are here today also as witnesses. So if they do not fulfill their commitment that they have publicly made this morning, you have the authority to remind them to call their attention. Now, if you are here, we would like you to stand. Sab Sabrina Patnongon. Sophia Patnongon, Basilio Sepe, Austin Mapile, Paulo Silva, Kay Suarnaba, Kevin Aquino, Jaime Patnongon, Ivan De Los Santos, Micah Mendoza, Gabriel Aquino, Risa Buenaventura, Michael Riodica, Raquel Cabilin, Ronald Castaneda, Julius Garces, Cristina de Guzman, and Giselle Mann. If you are here, please stand. I was going to say in a cast of thousands, but that's for the movies. You are here. You affirm and confirm your Do you accept the responsibility to be godparents to Mateo Lorenzo? Yes? Do you also affirm that your counsel to them will be based on the Bible and the Word of God? Thank you, godparents. Dami, mahalang plane ticket. All right. So I have asked, you know, it's not me dedicating. They are the ones. That's why really we call this parent-child dedication. I'm not going to be part of their family to police them. They have the responsibility. So I'm going to turn over the microphone to Enzo as he dedicates their child to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this treasured child of ours. Although you have entrusted this child to us as a gift, 
we know he belongs to you. Amen. Like Hannah offered Samuel, we dedicate our child to you, Lord. We recognize that he is always in your care. Help us as parents, Lord, with our weaknesses and imperfections. Give us strength and godly wisdom to raise this child after your holy word. Please supply supernaturally what we lack. Keep our child walking on the path that leads to eternal life. Help him to overcome the temptations of this world and the sin that would so easily entangle him. Dear God, send your Holy Spirit daily to lead, guide, and counsel him. Always assist him to grow in wisdom and stature, in grace and knowledge, in kindness, compassion, and love. May this child serve you faithfully with his whole heart devoted to you all the days of his life. May he discover the joy of your presence through daily relationship with your son, Jesus. Help us never to hold on too tightly to this child, nor neglect our responsibilities before you as parents. Lord, let our commitment to raise this child for the glory of your name cause his life to forever testify of your faithfulness. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. amen. Let's pray for this couple, this family. God Almighty, I thank you for the willingness of Enzo and Alisa to come before you and before these witnesses to acknowledge that Mateo is your blessing to them and also to acknowledge the responsibility that you have bestowed upon them. God, I thank you for this couple. I pray that you will provide for all their needs, especially for the needs of their newborn child. God, I pray that you protect this family from the deceptions of the world, that they will be faithful to train diligently, proactively, their son, Mateo Lorenzo. God Almighty, I pray your protection upon them. Put a hedge of protection around them, Lord God. Provide for all of their needs so that they may fulfill their commitment to you and to each other and to their son, Mateo. God, thank you for this couple, their testimony. Allow them, Lord, to disciple their child for each, for this household to really be a discipleship group that Enzo begin to disciple Alisa and they will both disciple their son, Mateo. God, thank you for their willingness to come, to stand before you in this congregation to declare that they are committing this to you. Protect them, Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. <laughs> Mateo Luis Lorenzo Mapili Patnongon is now dedicated to the Lord. Praise God. You see, my friends, It's all about your commitment. It's not about your commitment to CCF. It is not your commitment to this church. It is not religion. It is a radical perspective. That even if we believe that we are good people in the eyes of God, he says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have to trust in a radical promise that God says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You and I do not need to do anything because we cannot earn 
salvation because it is freely given. That's a radical promise. In this world, we have to work for everything that we want. But insofar as salvation is concerned, God sent Jesus Christ to complete and to completely finish what we could not do, which is to die for the payment of the penalty of our sin. And if you believe, if you have that radical perspective, and if you trust the radical promise of God, that call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved, then my friend, you can expect a radical product. You can expect a radical outcome. You can expect a radical change in your life. That what you once thought to be impossible is possible because with God, all things are possible. Oh, pastor, I'm already old. You don't know my life, what I've been through, what I have done. It doesn't matter to me. Because I'm not God. And all the things that you have done, you say you cannot change, those are lies. Because if you are willing to take that radical perspective and claim that radical promise, my friend, you will experience the radical promise of God that you will never be the same. And you will see God work in your relationship work in your individual and lives and the lives as a family and discipleship will take root and guess what? You will have the presence of God with you every step of the way. I don't want to let this opportunity pass by. But if you are here this morning and you do not have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, may I encourage you between you and the Lord. This is not a religion. This is a personal relationship with the one who died in your place. This cross is empty because Jesus rose again from the dead, proving that he is the Son of God, that he is more than capable and powerful enough to fulfill his promise that if you put your faith in him, you will receive eternal life. Not because what you have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has already done for you. And you might be there sitting and thinking, then how do I do that, sir? If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because salvation is made available to anyone. But you need to take possession of it. Just like that promised land was for them. But they decided not to possess it. So what happened? They suffered the consequences. My friends, the time to decide about Jesus is now. Don't wait before it is too late. So in fairness to everyone here, may I ask you to bow your heads and, and, and close your eyes. And just between you and the Lord. Just be honest. If God is bringing any sin to you, just acknowledge it. And trust Jesus. 
Lord Jesus, I confess to you that I am a sinner and I need you to save me. Forgive me of my sin, Lord. And by faith, I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come in to be my personal Lord and Savior. Jesus, will you save me? I need you to save me. I place all of my trust in you. And I believe your word. I believe you. That you are preparing for me an eternal place in heaven. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. Thank you for the free gift of eternal life I now receive in your name. And will you please help me by the power of your Holy Spirit to become the kind of born-again Christian that you want me to be. One who is radically changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen.